Taking a broad view of India's external security prospects for the year, you can make one of two easy, if contrary, choices. One, if you are an optimist and slash or a Modi government backer, it is that things have never been so calm. They've never, never been so good for India strategically. There is a chronic but st stable stalemate on the border with China and the Pakistani army is too busy counting its own dead on its western frontier and facing an unprecedented challenge from an increasingly popular leader, namely Imran Khan. And India's alliances to the west and the east are becoming more durable, bound by the glue of the common threat of China. On the contrary, if you are a warrior and slash or a critic of the Modi government, you will see trouble in the air. The Chinese are consolidating their squatting rights in Ladakh and the Modi government has failed to move them militarily or diplomatically. Pakistan will get over its internal issues eventually and get back to its usual business, which is the business with India. In any case, China and Pakistan continue to work closely together, so there is no strain there. With the Chinese forcing India to shift its military posture, moving much of its firepower to the north from the west, the Pakistanis can take comfort. And India's western allies will remain much too invested in Ukraine to have the mind space for hereabouts. Both formulations are fact-based. What tadka of political bias you put in the pan is your choice. This is a kadhai. You've got your dal there. You can put what, what tadka you want. Desi ghee, edible oil, whatever you want, garlic, onion, or just zira, all that's your choice. Because that is the tarka of your own political preferences. But as invariably happens in scenario mapping, there is a third possibility too. India and China have stabilized their standoff. This was evident in the mutual calming moves after the melee in Tawang recently. There was even a quick flag meeting between the local commanders, which hadn't been the norm after the snows melted in eastern Ladakh in 2020 and trouble began. Both countries are now fully deployed and must understand that any quick, low-cost military gains are ruled out. Both also know what bad odor any fresh skirmishes will bring internationally. India never had any incentive to start anything anyway. And unless Xi Jinping is nuts, he too will see the downside of bad headlines from his borders with India. This when Russia and America, respectively, his most important strategic ally, that's Russia, and most significant trading and economic partner, that's America, when Russia and America are locked in the biggest proxy war since Vietnam. And this, is, this proxy war is different because in this proxy war, the main fighters are two sovereign states. Because usually in a proxy war, the bigger powers fight from outside, but no sovereign states are directly involved. Usually, these proxy wars have taken place within the states, like Vietnam, for example, and twice in Afghanistan. But Ukraine-Russia is different because this is a war between two sovereign states, but this is also a proxy war for NATO, America, etc., etc., and for China, sort of halfway vicariously. This is all very good, but things could change dramatically if there is a resolution of some kind in Ukraine. Then China can return to being the neighborhood bully, the dada, that it wants to be. The Pakistani army's current distractions with domestic politics and its Islamist insurgents apart, there is no evidence of a durable shift in its view of India. Its biggest limitation, however, comes not from terrorist Cypriot or even from Imran Khan. It is the economy. Because on India, even Imran will unite with the army. 
After Sri Lanka, Pakistan's is the most bankrupt economy in the region. Unlike Sri Lanka, it also has to feed, pay and arm a large army, maintain internal stability amid rising inflation and joblessness, manage an adversarial relationship with, with the growing India, and be held responsible for the safekeeping of its nuclear weapons. Economic frustrations will fuel support for super-populist Imran. If a fair election is held today, the odds are on him winning. If the Pakistani army decides to play by the rules of the casino, that no matter what somebody's cards, the house always wins, it will be a different matter, but it might unleash a crisis of unpredictable severity in that country. The Pakistani army has no institutional memory of being challenged on the street by a politician with rising popularity. And unlike when Zulfikar Ali Bhutto rose to power in the aftermath of the Bangladesh war post-1971, today's Pakistani army isn't even a defeated army. That was a defeated army. For the new army chief, this is a near impossible set of challenges. At which point might he decide on that most tempting option, a grand distraction with India to unify popular opinion under the Pakistani army? This set of facts helps sum up the third scenario that the strategic situation around India has neither improved nor worsened. It's gone into a rare, long and useful stalemate. Two things follow. One, that this will end sooner rather than later. This is too good to last. And second, that while this affords India some rare strategic breathing time, we will waste it at our own peril. This is the time to look at the future, accelerate the changes in the works, fast forward the reforms that always run into the roadblock of day-to-day -day operational threats and challenges. You wait too long and you might find yourself back to the old normal, that is, dealing with a live military threat that leaves no space for thinking beyond today's crisis or today's headlines. Since 2014, the Modi government has instituted a significant repositioning of India strategically. While there are no U-turns or tangential moves, India is no longer bashful about being seen in alliances. For sure, old sensitivities remain. Of all the Quad members, India is the only one still unwilling to talk about the grouping's military dimension. Even as part of the growing strategic alliance with the US, some follow-up steps are yet being taken much too gingerly. The equation with Russia is being managed sensitively as any other government would have done. But it both narrows India's strategic space and widens it. Take a closer look at the Indo-Pacific allies, for example. The one big gap between them and India is that the rest have clearly stated public national security strategies and increasingly Indo-Pacific strategies as well. In fact, we have featured these on several episodes of Cut the Clutter. We know that these documents, these strategy documents, are packed with platitudes and far too many sentences contain words like may, should and endeavor. But these are statements of intent. As we write this, the latest country to publish its Indo-Pacific strategy is, surprise of surprises or maybe no surprise, South Korea. India stands out within this most significant peer group with shared threat perceptions as the only power with no stated strategy, either nationally or for the Indo-Pacific. This when it stands in the very heart of this most strategic zone in the world today. Because if the world says that Indo-Pacific is the most strategic part of, of the world, then India sits in its very heart. The excuse is valid, but it has a use by date. It is precisely because of India's location and its live land borders 
that it's neither able to craft a national strategic policy looking long term north northwest that is towards pakistan and china or one for the deep south and the oceans or the indo pacific it's also a challenge to find resources to raise india's maritime power because you know what do you do when so much resources are consumed in defending the land borders translated it means india's strategic planners and military remain caught in a tactical trap we began this argument with three scenarios irrespective of which one you prefer or pick you would agree that it is transient things will change of course i picked the third which says india now has some rare breathing space but it's transient it is too good to last on the outside i would reckon one and a half years that's the use by date for the current strategic diffidence before that india has to shed this diffidence and move in some direction today india's adversaries are distracted india's allies are willing to make an india exception while they focus on fighting russia and quote unquote managing china india has to bring in the transformation now starting with the conscious hedging of the risk posed by india's dependence on russian military supplies